Get a shift on. Get a shift. All the way on. Get a shift. On. Pro tip. As that part plays, put the speaker of your phone in your mouth. You're welcome. <laughs> For what? What? Hmm? What are you talking just, about? Just do it. Listen to the pod just and then do that. Gave gave him a boner. Listening, or I listened to the latest uh, Neither Time Nor the Space, and they brought up Get a Shift On because they both cracked a beer. And they said, Oh, I think it started as a an inside joke on Married to Who during Eccleston's first season because he says it at some point. That is not true. It is when Alex and I watched the Series 11 trailer and Jody says it in Ghost Monument. I wouldn't have known that. I thought it was Eccleston. That's a it, great it trivia question that Jake just that, threw away. Because they watched it. Like, we were doing Eccleston while they watched the trailer. Yeah, so. it, it was kind of a little A, a little B. Yeah, I can't. that first trailer came out almost exactly when we started recording. Welcome to Married to Who, a podcast where a couple of couples watch Doctor Who for the very first time. My name is Jake. With me are those couples, Cody, Sam, Jill, and Alex. This week we're here to talk about Can You Hear Me? Written by Charlene James and Chris Chibnall. Directed by Emma Sullivan, aired February 9th, 2020. Jill. Yes? Uh, what'd you think of this one? It seemed like a lot for my tiny little brain. But I liked a lot of parts of it, and I really liked the ending. Sam? It was... Eh. It was fine. Oh, no. It wasn't great. Cody? This episode was great, with some real shitty parts. But they were small. They were small parts. But this episode was great. Alex? This episode is great. And I dare anyone to argue that fact. It was oh, so good. We're we going to argue that fact. <laughs> Ask me what I think. What do you th- what, Jake, what do you think? This episode's shit. Whoa. <laughs> what? <laughs> hey, Jake. Tell him. Jake, yeah. you're shit. Yeah. Ooh. I know that. Ooh. Mm. I didn't mean it. I take it back. You're not shit. Let him know. <laughs> I didn't mean it, baby. But That's your opinion is shit. <laughs> what is that? All right. It's going to bother me. Oh, uh, oh Happy, Happy Gilmore. Gilmore. Yep, it sure yeah. is. Oh, I didn't even know it was a thing. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's a thing. <laughs> when they're yelling through the intercom out of the apartment building. <laughs> he's like mouth on it. So yeah, he's gross. like licking it. He's like, uh. you would, oh, you would no. not do that now, post COVID. <laughs> it's been this many days since we've made a joke involving an Adam Sandler film. Do we do that often? I feel like we've done it recently, like a Happy Gilmore thing. Yeah, every time we go golfing, probably. <laughs> 
Jake, why did you why why did you hate it, Jake? Oh, yeah, Jake. let's do that later. I oh, want to hear why okay. you loved it. Let's be happy, positive people. Give me some Let, stuff. Let's and then reel end everybody it with in. The concept, just the the concept that they came up with that the doctor is now in an episode with two gods in which one is currently imprisoned, being crushed between two planets. With the history behind it, that the two gods made a deal to sow chaos on these planets, and then they turned against them when they realized that the gods were not good. That is fucking outstanding. It was and amazing, right? It was the great. fact that oh no, that's bad stuff. Okay, I'm trying not to trail into the bad stuff. Yaz's backstory is so cool one at a time cody do not listen everything all at once you say a thing then we talk about it as a group (laughs) i can't wait for future jake to erase this audacity the the story about the gods um what y'all think of that is this the first time we've met immortals i feel like it's not not you and i was oh the rings of akatan weren't like immortals no but in this, the like when that dude Zinner or whatever his name is, um, kind of reveals himself to the Doctor aboard that space station, he says the Eternals, the Guardians, like they play their games, and so do we, or something like that. Those are both references to classic Who, in which there were stories about immortal gods playing games with humans. <laughs> so not a hundred percent like original storytelling okay well but it's still really good it's a really strong storyline yeah but chibnall loves the or the peter davison era and that you know we watched enlightenment for brothers alex and that's very similar like a bunch of gods playing games with humans and so yeah he did his version of it and uh it sucks it was fucking (laughs) dope it was great the the sneak the sneakiness the like the the whole plan from the beginning is like, I've done everything to get you here, Doctor, because you're the only one that can unlock this thing. And it was, ah, uh, it was so good. I always like a nice little shady chess match between the Doctor and a big evil bad guy. Yeah. And that it's actor, nice. he's very familiar. What else is he in? He's Kevin Lannister in Game of Thrones. Hey, that's <laughs> it. Oh, Okay. Yeah, he he was killing it. Every every time he was on screen, I was in. He was so good. I feel like their concept of a god though is a little that there's a little hyperbole in that terminology yeah. for these people. Yeah, they're not literal gods. They're just beings from another They kept saying realm. I don't really like the phrase realm. I prefer like dimension or universe. Yeah, he's literally from a different plane of existence. Like, he had said yeah. that. Yeah. Realm just feels a little too Lord of the Rings. Come on now. Realm actually sounds a little bit more accurate than dimension. Like, what? what no. is a goddamn <laughs> dimension? So, like, the fourth dimension? D- time? The fifth dimension? I don't even know what the fuck that is. Like, it's not a... <laughs> physical plane like a realm might be but realm is kind of fantastical terms like lord of the rings i think there's more than one definition of dimension like not just the you know numerical first second third and fourth dimensions but 
I think it could be used in the same way you would say like an alternate universe, another dimension. I think those are interchangeable. Oh, so they just say they're from another universe. That's yeah. spacey enough. So is this dude like tied in with the Time Lords in some way? There is no. a weird little flashback in there with the doctor where they talked about the lie of the timeless child. And I was like, where the fuck is this coming from? We've seen that before. Right. It sounded familiar, but I, I, like, I'm pretty sure that's like what the master said. Yeah. That was the master yeah. talking. So but, it's like when, when he put everybody under by sticking his fingers in their ears. The technical term is so, fingering them. Oh, right. God. When he fingered everybody. <laughs> I hate this episode more now. They had, so everyone else had a nightmare, and that's what was playing in her head. It was like bringing up their subconscious, and that's what is on the doctor's mind right now. So, like, that's what came up, and we got to see it a little more clear and a little longer than last time we saw it. So is that like a fear of the doctor or something? I don't know if fear is the right word, but it's definitely what's bubbling under her subconscious. Oh, okay. Yeah, about those fingers. Could, could it have been anything else? Why the fingers? What would you want? No, but why anything? Why does, <laughs> why does it have to detach? I don't know why it had to be a literal thing. That's what I didn't like. Because it was awesome and scary. No, it didn't no, need did you to see be there. The... It could have been a thought. The tendrils on that female god when he was harvesting nightmares? Like, why not just those? I got something written on my hand about this episode. Uh, <laughs> it's, it's harp thing and hands. So, like, this weird little spaceship that the people or the denizens of that planet created to imprison this lady has a harp that makes it, that has a camera that you can enhance by playing the harp. <laughs> that, I thought, was just a little enhance. extremely, enhance. It, it was too creative, I think, that not... yeah. Sometimes set designers get given a little too much money. Yeah. <laughs> There's nothing I, wrong with the keyboard. Somebody told them that there was like fingers involved and the, the ship had fingers that were powering nightmares and feeding it. And they're like, <laughs> I, you know what goes with fingers? Fucking harps do. <laughs> but you just said it like the God dude, Zinner, he didn't create that space station that like that platform was created by the people that imprisoned her. Like he's just hanging out there. Maybe that was his brand of terror on his particular planet was just fingers flying all over, making you <laughs> Everything sad. Everything is fingers. Playing I'm the obsessed. harp throughout the entire night. It's just how you suck out the nightmare juice. Yeah. You gotta finger him. You gotta... Mm -hmm. Oh, no. Boo. I hate it. <laughs> <laughs> all right, Cody, the next point you were going to make was something about Yaz's story. Yaz's backstory is exceptional. It, it adds quite a bit of depth to her character that I did not see coming at all. She seemed like she had a great family life and like everything was going pretty well for her. And it was extreme. It was like nice and emotional and it brought in another side character. And that side character like actually mattered toward the end of the episode. It felt great. You talk about cop lady? I'm talking about cop lady number one. Yeah. This episode gets me at some point every time I watch it. And this time it was uh, when Yaz went to go, went back to go visit her and give her the coin. That was, whew, that I was flipping rough. do remember you. <laughs> <laughs> Stop On that crying. Note, Jesus. I, I really like 
I don't think I would like this story if it weren't for the companion story. Like, the independent companions on this story, and honestly, the independent doctor, were phenomenal. Like, that was the best part of the story, and really the only part of the story that mattered to me. I yep. wish we would have gotten it so much earlier. It's obviously, like, a, in my opinion, a parting, um, like a hey, we haven't really showed a lot of these companions independently, and they're going to be leaving, so we should show them. But I just wish we would have had this right off the bat. Because this is the beginning of the end? It's like, yeah, absolutely. But it's what I've been craving the whole time. Like, we need some of them by themselves, and that's that's what they were. And they showed that they, like, had the knowledge to go back to the doctor, even in their independent areas. But I thought all of their stories were really fantastic. Uh... Yeah, I will say, like, I like all the Yaz stuff. I like the um, Thibaut stuff, Ryan's friend. I I wish they had been, they had gotten more time and that this wasn't, you know, something we have criticized Chibnall stories for before is, like, way too many ideas crammed into a story. And, like, those are the, like Joe was saying, like, those are the important parts of the story and those are what we want to see. Like, adding in the Tahita stuff was pointless. Um, You know, the God stuff, you could have... They could have just been on our stealing nightmares. We didn't have to go get tricked by one first. I think those are the two most important parts of the story, and I wish they had more time, or they each could have been their own story. We also see Graham in this story, like, Morning Grace again, and I think it's a more appropriate morning than we've seen at all. Like, we saw a little bit of sadness um, initially, and then we saw, like, the... I don't remember what episode it was, but the episode where Grace comes back. Well, and, what like, are you talking about? The... Mm, in in Graham's dream, when you see Grace, and he, he's like, oh, you're not my doctor, and then she's like, why didn't you save me? And he's like, well, let me try again. And then it cut. But I feel like in this story, he has just a sadness that seems right. Like, it feels right that he hasn't had. I like the poker scene, because even when his buddies, like, ask him how he's coping, like, he, you know, says, like, yeah, it sucks, but you gotta keep moving forward. And, like, that's, you know, probably the most real way they've depicted mourning in the show so far. It's obviously a story about mental illness and... You know, Graham's is his anxiety over his cancer coming back. And so I really like that scene for that, that we get to see his fear. Not so much the Grace stuff, it's just another like, hey guys, remember how sad you were when this lady died? Let's throw her in there again. I kind of agree with that. Yeah, I thought the... I I really like the writing in this, in that they kind of, to me, it... They tied in like the real, like earthly storylines in with this fantastical, like gods wreaking havoc storyline, and I, I thought it was done very well. I I don't I don't know if I would want separate stories of like the people doing their thing and then the gods doing their thing. I think this, to me, this worked very well together. Did the episode touch on the mental illness part? Well. I feel like no. it was like that's, I feel like it did. I can't decide. And maybe that's why I don't like it. I just can't decide. Was it done well and thorough? 
I don't think you can do anything thorough when you have a a sci-fi story to also tell. Yeah. I think you can, and we've seen it happen, and it's called Vincent the Doctor, and <laughs> yeah, it was done true. very thoroughly and very well. Maybe that's, like, my issue, yeah. What did they do it in just... Vincent the Doctor that was more thorough than what they did in this one? Well, in this one, they were like, oh, look at me. I'm sad and depressed. Okay, now I saw a therapist. The end. That was not the... <laughs> there was... You saw his sadness and depression throughout the whole episode. <laughs> They, in Vince and the Doctor, they explore Vincent's depression. They show the manic side of bipolar disorder. They show the sadness and the fear and the consequences. And mm-hmm. in this, I don't think... Like, I really like the Thibaut story, I think, the most. Um, because he's depressed. He's becoming agoraphobic. He... Like, I wish that story and the relationship between him and Ryan was explored or just shown more. It's a little too simply solved of just like, well, I guess you saved me from that space platform. So when you say I have to go to a group therapy, I'll just do it. <laughs> I disagree with you. I I don't think I don't think him being saved from the platform saved him from his depression. Like, that's not what was depicted to me. It was Ryan Karen Ryan caring about his friend and saying, Hey, could you do this for me and go to a group? And that is what hit me the most, not the saving from the space station. If that's all it takes, then why isn't that just the first thing he did? Like that's there's not there all should it be takes. that's that I know, wasn't there should said be at all. <laughs> more there's I didn't say that's what you said. Okay. There should be more steps between Ryan getting him into that group and Ryan finally finding out what is what is happening to Tibbo. It seems like it's it seems like a story worth exploring in, instead of just like kind of briefly brushing these different aspects of mental health. I don't really have a problem with Yaz's, but I think hers was less interesting than Tibbo's. I loved Yaz's. I really yeah, did I like just, hers. I, I liked I liked it because I think she's a great actor and the, all the scenes with her and her sister and her and that that cop were great. The scene where she shows up at the cop's house and hands her the coin and like yeah. goosebumps. It was so good. And when she goes, "Of course I remember you." And like says her whole name, like how she obviously remembers her and had a big impact on her. It was yeah, great. I mean, yes, we became a cop. Like, obviously, I mean, this was a huge the deal. The cop had a large impact by Yaz. Sorry, I shouldn't use. It makes it confusing. The cop <laughs> was highly influenced by, maybe not influenced, but was touched by Yaz and remembered her three years later, even though it was one interaction with her. Yeah. Yeah. Didn't need um, Tahita at all. Well, you needed the way to... F- beat the monsters right and that, that was could have it. been anyone that could have been Tibbo's monsters he was he was complaining and having nightmares and then there was this man yeah i don't know i like the scenery like going to what was it aleppo aleppo, aleppo. yeah i mean that that was cool going off what jill said at the beginning like in her words it's too much for 
my little brain type of thing. I, there was so much going on in this episode, and I think that's kind of why I don't think it's that great. It, like, it is too much. It's too much for me. I think just the companion stories could have been its own story, and then the god story could have been its own story. Yes. Yes. I'm not saying I want it to be a two-parter by any means. (laughs) It was just a lot. You need to say it so we can put it on a t-shirt. Okay, but it doesn't need to be a two-parter. It needs to be two different stories. Agreed. I think that's exactly right. And I'd be curious how much of this came like the god story came from chibnall or charlene james and how much of it was the other way around like it's they just decided like well we need to get this bit of mental health in for a story because i want to explore yaz and and graham's relationship to their mental health or whatever and it's like well i have this thought about these uh gods that steal dreams by fingering people perfect (laughs) how much time we have 50 minutes tons of time let's add a whole nother character for no fucking reason we'll go pick her up could we maybe look at this episode as kind of a reflection on just like the humanity psyche in general because the the smoke man had some really good lines on like Humanity is so interesting. They're built in pain and like self-deprecation. It's so easy. And then the doctor comes back like, well, humanity is also the most resilient because they deal with that shit every day and overcome it every day. And I thought that was that that made me feel like superhero just watching (laughs) that. Yeah, I mean, that's clearly what they're doing. Um, But but I wouldn't like I think you can uh, you can have all that without the like tricking them into letting that lady go that just eats up time for no reason and i think you can explore you know one or maybe two of the four mental health stories a little more by dropping a couple of them uh whichever two you like take your pick i don't don't know if they were trying to get across the point that everyone suffers from some some type of depression or anxiety yeah. By and making I, I it so that, many people, but, uh, but man, it just, it was a lot. But I think that's mo- like most well done with Graham's thing because it's really just like his quick little nightmare when they're all having their nightmares and then a, a short little conversation with the doctor on the TARDIS. Just yeah, like, that hey, I still have this fear. Conversation was lackluster and it made me feel bad. <laughs> and I wanted to give him to. a hug, and I hate it. It was two great friends having a conversation, and then the doctor being awkward, and then Graham accepting her awkwardness. It was, I it know, was amazing. But I just oh, it I loved that. It didn't feel resolved, <laughs> and it made my heart ache. And I wanted to go give him a big hug because I feel like that's what he needed. You're gonna find a lot of people, and some of our tweets coming up, um, really hate that scene because they think it makes the doctor f- seem. Uh, like she doesn't care and kind of flippant about his fears and anxieties. I think what it's trying to do and however successful they are is up to interpretation. I think what they're trying to do is just tell people that like, you know, a lot of people are dealing with things. It's okay to not have all the answers, but it's important to just kind of be there for them and, you know, be a sounding board for someone that really just needs to talk. I like that. And I think it... 
in that case, because there are, you know, kids watching this show and, you know, be having your hero just always know exactly the right thing to say isn't always, you know, the way it works in the real world. I think it made it real to Graham. Like, Graham was being yeah. real with her. She was being real with him. It's just like two people knowing each other and being okay with that. And their relationship, from what we see most of the time, is kind of like goofy. Like, they're the jokesters of the four of them. And so she made a joke, and it made him laugh. And then they, you know, move on. To me, it was more like a, man, that sucks. I don't know what to say, but I'll be I'll be your pal, and we'll just hang out here for a minute. Like, that's, that's kind of the vibe. Yeah. Like, as a self-pronounced socially awkward person, I really appreciated that scene. Totes. Personal story. One of my closest friends says that she's, she like accepted me immediately because I called myself out on doing something awkward. It was like one of the like, you go to the drive-thru, they say enjoy your meal, and you say thanks, you too. And I'm like, ah, oh, I hate that. <laughs> and I called myself out on it because I do. Like, I do those things. And apparently that's how we became friends. So I don't know. I, I appreciated that scene. It didn't bother me at all. Speaking of awkwardness, I have a moment that I will think about for the next week. I was, I brought Pod Baby to Storytime in the park, and when I was leaving, one of the girls stopped me. We were leaving early because he was being a complete monster and running around and throwing rocks at trees, and they were bouncing off and almost hitting people. So I was like, <laughs> we're going to go. And so as we're leaving, one of the girls was like, hey, can I ask you a weird question? I was like, sure. She's like, are you a NICU nurse? I am. She's like, you took care of my girls. I was like, Oh, and then I had a super awkward conversation with her because I could not remember them and I wanted to have like pleasantries and not be awkward and it was terrible and I felt awful and I can't stop thinking about it. So, Okay, I'm going to take it easy, bud, <laughs> as you walk away. <laughs> I should have. It would have been less awkward. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah, scene, scenes like the one in the TARDIS with Graham and the Doctor dredged up a lot of memories for me of like, you know, high school and college and like being with my guy friends when they're having a tough time. And, you know, we're young dudes, we don't know how to deal with our feelings. So it's a lot of just like sitting in the same room or being like, yeah, fuck that bitch. <laughs> or, you know, oh, just getting drunk or young just trying or to just dudes. be with people. Just dudes. Just dudes. Well, you guys are all still very young. You'll figure it out. How, what is even going to change in my life as I get older? Like this Nothing is, you're a lost cause. This, this is it. Well, you, this is where I'll be. You got to hang out with younger people than us, and then you'll be like the old guy. <laughs> yeah, it's great. <laughs> yeah, Jake, how do you deal? Uh, booze. <laughs> you guys want to do tweets? Yeah. No. How about a tweet? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so when I received this tweet, I told James Courtney... That I'm not even going to talk I'm, in this whole episode. I'm just going to read his tweet. So a lot of this is going to be all the things I just said. So James Courtney at Mr. J. Courtney says, There is a good story somewhere in this episode, but it's too full of ideas to properly bring it to fruition. On the one hand, it's trying to be an exploration of mental health. And on the other, it's a story about these really powerful god creatures plus ancient Syria. Unfortunately, that just leaves me wanting more of one or the other. Whilst learning about how Syria used to handle mental health is interesting, it detracts from the exploration of the fam's own mental health. We don't get enough development to them, and this just isn't enough. 
To compare it with Vincent the Doctor, that story has a singular focus on an aspect of one character. The episode was structured around that and was all the stronger for it. The gods were an interesting idea, and they too could have had episodes themselves without having to focus on other things. Also, hooray that Yaz gets some attention. We learn a little bit more about her background, which sort of ties into what we learn in the Witchfinders, um, much more explicitly in the novelization of it. However, even here I'm left wanting. What we have learned doesn't change her now. I can't help but feel this would have been more powerful if she had anxiety from her first episode, and through traveling with the Doctor, she gets better at coping with it. That is an arc. Instead, we just have a static character with a slightly more colorful background. Um, there are plenty of minor niggles I have, like the flying Sonic. Uh, I really hate that moment for <laughs> yeah. two scenes. I forgot for about two that. <laughs> oh, he said, but the only other big issue I have is the end scene. I really hate that moment for two reasons. One, sure the Doctor is socially awkward, as am I, but I just don't believe that the Doctor would say what she did. How hurtful to Graham, even saying nothing is slightly better, even saying nothing is slightly better by actually being awkward and failing to show sympathy, again, speaking from bad experience. And two, she has a time machine. Just go to New Earth or something and get it cured. <laughs> the scene falls over at that first hurdle. Um, yeah, that's something I've been talking or I've been yelling since the first anytime we find someone who's sick, like just take them somewhere and get their cancer cured. <laughs> Who fucking cares? Yeah, that's a good point. But I 100% disagree about the scene not being handled very well. I think it's perfect. But seriously, Doctor, go cure Graham's cancer. Come on. That That's kind of what I was looking for. The first thing that popped in my head was like, spray him with a spray bottle that has magical juice. Yeah, we'll all accept it. You know what we won't accept? Her somehow kneeing her sonic screwdriver out of her pocket into her hand. <laughs> it was like a hip thrust. I would have taken, like, so at some point we find out the doctor can snap his or her fingers to open the doors of the TARDIS. Okay? Mm -hmm. A little magical, but cool. I like it. How about in this episode she finds out she has some sort of force powers that allow her to pull her sonic screwdriver? Or maybe like some sort of magnetism, space, spacey wacy magnetism. Resonating <laughs> earth magnets. That or just like acti activate it with her mind so it like yeah. opens. Like yeah. Give the doctor something new and cool. But defying the laws of physics and with like a, a terrible camera cut to make it happen. I feel like they could have put <laughs> invisible string in there and made it better. She could have just wiggled so it fell out of her pocket. And then if she like hacky sacked it up with her foot, that would have been great. Hell no yeah. Problem. Yeah. Like <laughs> something. It just it's it was quick. It was quick. Quick and silly. For the record. This this will be on your permanent record. For the record, I still hate the TARDIS. <laughs> oh, we saw, damn. We oh, saw a lot more in the last two episodes than we've seen, I feel like, for two seasons. Still hate it. But the wacky inflatable arms seem to be gone. Or just They're still there. They're just they're not above the shot. Next episode, I want the doctor to bring the harp enhancement system into the TARDIS. <laughs> Someone when... still has to point out the wacky inflatable inflatable tube waving arm men to me alex look up a picture and put it on discord uh okay <laughs> to uh to your point jill about hating the tardis 
after they pick up Tahita and they, or she brings her onto the TARDIS, then they pick up the fam. In order to show all five of those people in one camera shot, they have the Doctor and Tahita on by the console and the other three sitting on the stairs. Because that's the only way you can get all of them in a shot is if half of them are just sitting on the stairs. And it'll be a go-to for the rest of the season. Uh, Anytime they're all talking in the TARDIS, someone's sitting on the stairs. Anyway, Chris at This Emo Trash says, A controversial one indeed. Personally, I loved it. Brings out some real character development in our companions and shows off some of their history we've not been shown before. I love that it shows our companions' deepest fears. I immediately got that Yaz had run away from home either to kill herself or to do something else harmful. And that explains why she's so eager to travel with the Doctor. She may be living her life, but there's still a connection in her mind with being home and those thoughts she used to have. And with being in the TARDIS, she can escape all that. Ryan being scared of the dregs shows that traveling the universe isn't all it's cracked up to be. There are times when you'll genuinely fear for your life, and that's naturally going to have adverse effects on your mind. Graham's is the most real. I can't imagine what it's like being in remission from cancer, but yeah, it's completely fair that you're always going to be scared it's going to come back. Other people could talk about the rest of the episode, but I want to defend the end here. I like the end scene in the TARDIS. I do see how people were upset and complained, but it also shows a very real side of the Doctor. If your best friend tells you he's scared he'll get cancer and die, you're not going to have a good reply, even if you're an ancient Time Lord. The Doctor not being able to give a good response, quite frankly, is a very human thing to do. It would cheapen the moment if she went on a speech about how fleeting life is and living in the moment or whatever. Plus, I don't think Graham was even looking for a reply. He wanted to tell his friend his fear because that's what friends should do, and he thought she deserved to know. And what she did respond with made him chuckle because she lightened the mood and made him feel valid. I do love this episode. Might even have to rewatch it. I understand the controversial nature can upset people, especially if they don't think it was handled well. But personally, I think it was great. I agree. <laughs> Me as well. Passion Fruit said a jar candle at B underscore bird underscore moth says, I watched it a bit late and had heard good things about it, but I was a little disappointed. The acting was too camp for what they were going for, but the mental health aspect and that animated scene keep it unique. Finally, some Yaz characterization. Yeah, I like that animated scene too. Yeah, it was that, It was so surprising. It's so effective for just exposition, five minutes, now you know everything. Yeah. We all learn a thing or two from Deathly Hallows. Ode underscore Ollie at Ode underscore Ollie says, and Ollie, I'm going to edit this down a bit. This is one I really like, as controversial as it is to some people. To me, it's a really important episode, dealing with a heavy topic with tact and a light touch. Focusing on mental health is so important and lets the characters be explored deeper, really enriching our appreciation of them. It's showing that the fam and the doctor aren't immune to doubts and mental health issues is only going to strengthen the resolve of fans who struggle with the same. My opinion, all the fears and nightmares shown seem... So real and pressing, having Graham's fear be his cancer returning makes perfect sense and is heartbreaking, as is, as is his regret at Grace's death, despite achieving closure. Ryan's fear being leaving his friends to get old by themselves really shows his connection to them, Thibaut in particular. After just seeing him for one scene, it's nice to have that friendship explored. 
and the Dreg cameo lets us see the negative side of having adventures stay with the fam. And seeing him doubt how long he can keep traveling really strengthens his arc and gives the audience the same doubts. And I think everyone loved how much the long overdue exploration of Yaz we got. I think we understand her a lot more after this episode, just wish it had come sooner. Giving the audience ambiguity over what exactly the younger Yaz was planning to do really adds so much impact to the scene, managing to make it both heartbreaking and heartwarming. And the scene of her visiting the officer after is beautiful, showing the impact that a single person can have on somebody. Uh, showing the Doctor having fears and nightmares is such a good move too. It's not a bad thing to show the hero the show is fallible. The scenes in Aleppo do such a good job of showing how unused she is to being alone. And the vision of the timeless child adds more intrigue for the audience and more fear for the Doctor. Using a new pair of immortals is a great idea. I love the throwbacks to Classic Who that we get in Zelen's speech. And Zelen himself, the way he inflicts the nightmares by fingering people, is so <laughs> creepy. The body horror is so unsettling and the joy he obviously takes in tormenting his victims just makes him creepier. The exposition of Zelen and Rakaia's backstories could have been pretty standard, but the animated sequence really accentuates it into something more. Having the solution be conquering fears by facing them is such a who idea, reminiscent of the third Doctor's speech about courage. Having comedic moments in a heavier story is always a good idea, and the scene between Graham and the Doctor when they're using the telepathic circus does a great job of relieving some of the tension. I'd be curious what you made of the last scene between Graham and 13, given it was lambasted when it aired. We liked it, I think. Everyone on board? Yes. Mm -hmm. I'm on board. Yeah. But it does feel in character for me. And ending the story on a lead-in to the next story is such a good way to close the episode, bringing a touch of lightness in the atmosphere, and leaving the audience excited and intrigued about what's to come. Looking forward to what you all say, or have to say, and I'm so excited for what your reactions will be to what's next. An absolute classic in my eyes. Mm. Oh, shit. There's one other quick one I missed. Nick Forrest Focus at Jury of Underscore One. This is the one that really grows for me on rewatches. Though the location of ancient Syria feels a bit wasted and the conclusion a bit rushed. There is a really interesting story about mental health, seeking help, and confronting your demons. Really love the Yaz scene, and it adds a lot of depth to her character. Uh, in the same way that it's nice to see Graham being a cancer survivor. I think the villains, though a bit power, <laughs> though a little bit power rangers, are fun in a campy sort of way. And seeing that Ryan was properly traumatized by Orphan 55 gives a lot more depth to both that episode and this one. Hope everyone likes it, though. The last scene with Doctor and Graham does leave a bit of a sour note. So, it seems like everyone who tweets with us mostly likes it. I did forget to say that I thought it was just a really pretty episode in general. Like, all the scenes were really yeah. pretty. Also, I watched it at work on my lunch hour, and other Doctor Who watchers watched with me, co-workers, and the whole time I kept saying it was spoopy. <laughs> and we haven't even brought up that it was spoopy, but there was a lot of spoop factor to this episode. Because like, Alex used the word fingering, so we no, all just kind of the fingers off. ruined it. Like <laughs> the fingers ruined it for sure, but like the non-finger parts of it were real the spoopy. Like it was really well done. Up. Yes, yeah. his like the guy face showing up yeah. like in the dark, smoking, smoking oh, in gosh. and out. Oh, that was all. It was so good. Like it was. It just 
it was really well done. When Yaz yeah, is on the couch and like... he just shows up on like, the TARDIS. All of, <laughs> Sorry, them, all of them when he shows up. Like, the yeah. worst one I thought was when Yaz sits up from like sleeping on the couch and looks around and he's there. No. <sighs> I would nope out of there so fast. <laughs> if she was an American police officer, she just would have emptied a clip into him. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> I mean, if this were American TV show, not an IRL American police officer. There was also uh, the freaking mom and the kid. When the mom's like, don't worry, there's no such thing as the boogeyman. She leaves. <laughs> yeah. And then he shows up and he's like, she was wrong. It's like, oh, my God. Did you, you see know? the pillow? Like he was laying on the pillow where it just said doctor, like next to his head. Oh, I didn't head. see that. Oh. Oh, I was like, okay, something's going to happen to the doctor. And then this dude showed up. I was like, never mind. But that was terrifying. You know, if we had a story that was just the nightmare gods and, you know, they got a little more time, I could have done with three or four of those, like, quick little 30 to 40 second scenes of that dude popping up in people's bedrooms. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Alex, give me that MVP theme song. MVP. Cody, who's your MVP? Uh, you are, Jake. How about from the episode? <laughs> <laughs> that it, it would be Yasmin Khan, also known as you can Yasmin do it. Khan. Ah, <laughs> check it out. I wait. Rashida Jones. <laughs> yep. Sam. Yes. <laughs> You're not going to try for a name either? Um, It it rhymes with fat <laughs> dip pill. <laughs> Man, Man dip, dip gill. gill. <laughs> 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 Alex really made it hard. <laughs> Jill, who's your MVP? All right. So I think the episode's real pretty. So I want to give it to whoever made it pretty. Direction? Oh, man. Oh, Was I it? wanted to say... When you yeah, said that, I think it's kind of ironic that you think this episode is so pretty because it's about such a dark subject. Or set designer. That's true. But there was like a lot of different light going on. Like, like there's a lot of contrast in each scene, which made it really cool. Uh, so I guess director. Um, Emma Sullivan. Yeah, Emma. Boom. Alex? I'm giving it to the writing. Like, I really enjoyed this story and the way they tied the real life into the fantasy life. Uh, it was it was great. And I am giving mine to Mendip Gill. Mendip Gill. Best actor on the show. So good. Alex, give me that fun facts theme song. Fun, fun facts. This is the first televised Doctor Who story to have a question mark in the title. That's fun. Oh. That did look awkward. I saw it and I was like, what? (laughs) Especially when the title of the show is a question. (laughs) Ian Gellin was Zellin. That rhymes. (laughs) He also voiced the remnants, the little flying cloth things in the Ghost Monument. And he was Kevin Lannister in Game of Thrones and Mr. Decker in f- all five episodes of Torchwood, Children of Earth. Oh. Huh. We'll have to rewatch that at some point. Yeah. I was thinking after we're done with the podcast, maybe we could, like, 
take a month, go watch like season one of Torchwood. You have a month and then we'll all come back and talk about it. To watch a whole season? I'll take two. <laughs> no less. They're short seasons because yeah. it's British. Two and a half. It is now time for everybody's favorite podcast game, the podcast game. In this game, <laughs> we're doing a podcast, we're playing a game. Is that the name of These it? These nerds are <laughs> going to team now. up into teams of two. Those two will be them and they to whom they're married. Doing it a little different this week. Got a theme that I've stolen from a new podcast I've been listening to called Listen, a Doctor Who podcast. Oh, because of the episode, listen. Yeah. It's great. It's these two young women, like in their early 20s, I think one of them's 20, who used to watch Doctor Who when they were a kid, which is insane to think of, but they were five and eight years old when Doctor Who came back in 2005. And during lockdown, they like re-fell in love with the show and they would talk about it all the time. So now that restrictions are lifting in the UK, they wanted to keep talking about it, so they started a podcast. And it's really good. Check them out. Nice. But they played a game where they read each other quotes from the show, and the other person has to say who from the show said it, so I'm stealing the idea. Ooh. So I have seven quotes here. I will say the quote to you. You have to tell me which character said it. That's it. Don't have to tell me the episode or the context. But if it's a doctor, you have to tell me which one. Either a name or a number. Same goes if it's the master. Okay. Is everybody ready? Maybe. Ready. Oh, I feel stressed. <laughs> and I'm going to try to say these in a way so that, like, the tone doesn't give it away. So I'm going to do some real bad line readings here <laughs> to kind of make it... That's no fun. You should different than it is on try the show. to be exactly the same with accent and all. Ooh. No. <laughs> if he says goot, we know it's it's Missy. Right? Okay, number one. The universe is big, it's vast and complicated and ridiculous, and sometimes, very rarely, impossible things just happen, and we call them miracles. Matt Smith. Uh, we put 11, which I believe is Matt is Smith. Matt Smith. <laughs> you are both right. Huzzah! Ta-da! Number two, everybody knows that everybody dies, but not every day, not today. Some days are special, some days are so, so blessed, some days nobody dies at all. Eccleston? Ten, the tenant? River Song. Oh, I thought this was part of that, just this once, Rose, nobody dies. Well, it's everybody lives. Oh, shoot. (laughs) It's in the library episode after River has died, but she does a voiceover Mm. over the end of the episode. I actually remember that. Obviously you don't. Actually. Well. One may tolerate a world of demons for the sake of an angel. Rory Pond. Is that Amy? It is Madame de Pompadour. Oh, God. Never Madame would've... de Pompadour. Of that course, Jake brings guess. in that lady. These are all random. I grabbed them off a site that had 100 best Doctor sure Who Sure, you did. Uh-huh, sure, sure. Did you roll for them or did you just pick them? I rolled. 
Mm. No, I, I left out the ones that were super easy or super hard and kind of went for a mix. Oh, God forbid they're all easy and we just have if a great time. If we're going to die, let's die looking like a Peruvian folk band. Eleven. No idea. I said Capaldi. <laughs> Amy Pond. Yeah. What? Okay, but it was the episode where there was like little Amy Pond in the museum, wasn't it? No. Dang it. Oh, you had it such was, bravado. I did. It was in Amy's Choice when the Dream Lord has them freezing in the TARDIS and they all put on ponchos to stay oh, warm. Oh, yeah. That is right. Yep. I remember that. Obviously he, not. <laughs> okay, it's one to one. <laughs> you guys have only picked doctors the entire time. <laughs> no. so. Yeah, I said uh-uh. the doctor. I said Amy. <laughs> oh, we said uh, Amy too. He's like fire and ice. He's like the night and the storm and the heart of the sun. He's ancient forever. He burns at the center of time and he can see the turn of the universe and he's wonderful. River Song. Thanks for the point. River Song. It is Timmy from Cody's favorite episode, Family of Blood. Jake, in what universe? Did you think no. any of us were gonna <laughs> let's get just, that? Let's just keep moving this was on. The hard let's one. just keep moving on. <laughs> I uh, at least we both distraught. guessed River Song. That one was not that hard. No one remembers when you're Timmy. A kid, they tell you it's all grow up, get a job, get married, get a house, have a kid, and that's it. But the truth is, the world is so much stranger than that. It's so much darker and so much madder and so much better. Amy, Amy. Pond. It's probably wrong. We said <laughs> Wilf. It's Elton from Love and Monsters. Mm, yep. Wouldn't have suspected anything from that episode. <laughs> These are random, huh? Yeah. Uh-huh. One to one. Question number seven. I do have a tiebreaker in case it comes to it. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> you know when sometimes you meet someone so beautiful and then you actually talk to them and five minutes later they're dull as a brick, but then there's other people and you meet them and you think, not bad, they're okay, and then you get to know them and their face sort of becomes them, like their personality's written all over it and they just turn into something so beautiful. Amy Pond. I think we said Donna. Donna Pond. It's Amy Pond. Oh, that damn. was the only no one breaker. I knew for certainty. Because <laughs> that line—it's so Moffat's good. way of explaining how Karen Gillan could be married to Arthur Darville. Didn't need to do it, Moffat. It was fine. Yeah, Arthur Darville <laughs> is fucking hot. He's the man. He's a for hot sure. fucker. He's a centurion. Get on his. Okay, here's level. a tiebreaker. Just shout it out. Great men are forged in fire. It is the privilege of lesser men to light the flame. Oh my god, it sounds so familiar. Sorry, we have a dog digging. Henry. Henry. Uh. uh Capaldi. Just start saying people. Amy Pond. Not Capaldi. Right. Not Amy. Say it again. What happened? Nope. All right. Well, they get the point. Great men are forged in Donna. fire. It is the privilege of lesser men to light the flame. James Corden's character? Nine. No. Ten. Eleven. No. no. Twelve. No. No. Canine. No. <laughs> Rory. No. Uh, the teeth guy. River song. Oh, uh, the big blue dude. No. No. Oh. Charles Dickens. Oh, is it Eye Patch Lady? <laughs> no. No. Bitchy Trampoline? 
No. Can you River's like, song. give us an episode? You sure name a lot of ladies for the whole <laughs> privilege of lesser men. Cybermen. Number no. any of them. Pink. No. Ooh. Um. Carl? Who's Carl? <laughs> you mean hot Carl? <laughs> hot Carl. <laughs> I'm out of people. Ah, uh, the dude on the sinking Titanic spaceship that was really short. Batacafalata. No, it is a doctor. Oh. We said nine. all of them. No. The Ten. war doctor. Eleven. No. The first it's the doctor. War doctor. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> uh, you named them all, but you skipped one. You <laughs> yeah, dumb dummies. Just, yeah. I didn't skip What's one. The... I just didn't go back far enough. What do we call the doctor? That's the one lady. That the lighthouse doctor. The Ruth doctor. Or the fugitive doctor. Fugitive doctor. Okay. Alex Song. This is Bad Married to Who, our episode on Can You Hear Me? If you want to participate by tweeting with us, you can do so Married to Who pod. You can follow us on Instagram, Married to Who, or you can email us, Married to Who at gmail.com. Uh, if you want to listen to this podcast, you can do so on Spotify, Google Play, Apple Podcasts, or on our website, Married to Who.com. On behalf of myself, Jake, Cody, Sam, Jill, and Alex, and producer Terry, somewhere out there. Thank you for listening, and please join us next time for The Haunting of Villa Diodate. Do 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 do